To the Standardized Patients Podcast. I am your host and person who is so excited to be recording this podcast episode in her relatively new home voiceover studio, Katie Culligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, what, why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one has ever heard of. So today is a little bit different. We are very excited. We've been working all season on a episode of a podcast that we are bringing to you today. We were able to gather advice from all of our season two episode guests. And this is really for our med students. We are so excited to bring you advice for med students from our standardized or simulated patients and even some trainers. So this is going to be a bit of a clip show where we're going to hear guests say what they would recommend if they could give a med student one piece of advice. From all of our guests, we got a lot of varied pieces of advice, ranging from thoughts on how to make it through daily life and practice as a medical student, to bigger ideas on how to operate as a medical professional post-school and post-residency, and how to make the most out of your education time. We got some great overarching advice that can be applied on many levels to conducting an encounter and gaining confidence as a medical professional. So we hope that some of these, if not all of them, will be very beneficial. The first clip you're going to hear is Aviva Pressman, who was on our episode 13, talking about role-playing across the U.S. Here is what Aviva had to say for her advice. You can never go wrong with open-ended questions and getting the patient's perspective. When in doubt, ask the patient what they think, what their concerns are, any of that. Second, students often have questions about how hard they can press on your body or how intensive personal questions they can ask, things like that. And what I always tell them is, press as hard as you need to to figure out what you need to figure out and no harder. And it's the same thing with questions. If it's because you're curious, don't do it. But if it's because it can help them, do it. If you press harder than you need to, then yeah, you're a jerk. Why are you putting your patient in pain for no reason? If you don't press hard enough, then you're sending them home potentially without finding their problem that doesn't make you nicer. So as hard as you need to and no harder, physically and emotionally. I want to point out that Aviva talks a lot about doing no harm in the way of making sure you don't have a patient go home with something that you weren't able to address because you were too nervous to push too hard or to ask the question. So I think it's really important to just remember when in doubt you want to be taking care of that person. And if that means you have to push, whether it's physically or emotionally, to a level that makes perhaps you or your patient a little uncomfortable, sometimes that is actually necessary. And I think we could all agree. And always remembering that when you're doing an encounter, that is your time to practice. And the best part about the educational aspect of it is that you typically are able to get feedback. So if you have a question about, how was that? Was I pushing too hard? Was I pushing too light? Or should I have asked this question? The standardized patient 
ideally, if they have the opportunity, will be able to tell you from their perspective, yes, yes, that was a little too hard, or no, I tickled. It wasn't hard enough. This next clip you're going to hear is from the wonderful returning guest, Tom Wyatt, in our episode 16, where we did a feedback workshop with Matt Spiracino, who you'll hear more from later. A couple of basics uh, for students that I always like to, given the opportunity, I like to stress. Uh, one, never assume anything about your patient. Ask. You can ask any question about anything, hopefully in a respectful manner, but don't make an assumption without asking. It will create a barrier to communication with your patient. If you ever have to break bad news of any kind, always, always, always use a short phrase of warning language before dropping the bomb. Allow the patient to prepare themselves to hear bad news mentally and sort of, you know, personally, spiritually. It is just as important to acknowledge what you hear as it is to agree with it. You know, if a patient says something, even if you don't entirely understand or entirely, just to say back, I can see how that was incredibly hard for you. I'm, I'm so sorry that that happened is very validating and will, again, help build your rapport and the strength of your communication. I want to jump on the fact about the assumption. I don't like when people make assumptions about me. I don't like it when my friends make assumptions about me, when strangers make assumptions, when my parents make assumptions about me. But more importantly, for my doctor or medical professional to make an assumption about me can be very disheartening and make a bigger gap than there needs to be in that rapport. So I think Tom's advice about that is just so important because put yourself in those shoes. Think about the times that you have been made to feel like something because somebody made an assumption about you and you had to correct them or perhaps you didn't correct them. And so you're sitting there thinking, well, that person says I feel guilty about this thing. I, I don't feel guilty about it. It could be something else. So I just think that's a really important thing that we can all put ourselves in those shoes. Our next piece of advice is from the lovely John Reynolds, who was not only on one episode this season, but two episodes this season, both episode 12 and episode 22. Here's the advice that John had to give. The advice I would give is that it's okay to say, I don't know, or I don't have an answer for you right now, but I'm going to work on that and get back to you. Something that I see medical students do a lot is when they don't know the answer, they struggle and they try to give you an answer when you're the patient, even if though they don't have one and it never goes well. As the patient, I always feel a more authentic connection if they say, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I'm going to find out that for you and get right back to you. I love John's advice here because it's so true. Let's be real. If you're in med school and even if you're out of med school, there are going to be times where you don't know the answer. In any line of work, I think we can all put ourselves in these shoes. It is always going to be a more authentic way of communicating with someone to say, you know what? I actually, I'm not positive about that, but I will check on that and I will get back to you on it. And that actually provides even more of a service in many ways, especially if you do get back to them. <laughs> Don't make them have to ask too many times on that one. But I do think it's important to say, if you're introducing yourself as a med student, which most med schools do, rather than saying, I'm doctor so-and-so, they'll say, I'm fourth year or med student so-and-so. 
then it's okay to say, I'll go ahead and ask a doctor. I'll ask my preceptor. And then we get it. We get it. And then we know that you're honest. And I think there's something to be said for knowing that your medical professional that's working with you is being honest. (laughs) This leads me to my advice as Katie Culligan for med students. So these are very concrete things I'm about to say, but I'm telling you They're very, very important, and I would just say in advance, really take note of them because they will help you in an encounter and in the future. I always say, ask for your patient's chief complaint, right? We all know that. That's typically one of the first things you do when you walk in. So that's typically on the table already. But then make sure to ask an open-ended follow-up question about that chief complaint. Once again, that's pretty common. It's built in. But remember, open-ended is key before going into close-ended. After you've gotten their chief complaint, followed up on it, then what I would recommend is to ask the patient, what do you think might be going on? A lot of times you might get the patient that says, I I don't know, you tell me. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Okay, well, then you have your answer. But at least you got their perspective because you might just might get someone who's done a lot of WebMD research or who has some theory. And that is a great way for you to understand where they're coming from. Maybe get some extra information that could help you for your encounter and diagnosing them and helping them out or also just validating how they're feeling. So that is a really really helpful tool. Now, let's move forward all the way to the end of a full encounter. Let's say you've done all of that and you feel like you have as much information as you think. I always recommend to ask if your patient has any questions or concerns before you exit the room. Questions or concerns, I like to say both because they are two different things. A patient may have a question of, okay, so wait, what do do I do? Or the concern may be like, wait, I'm unsure about this particular thing that you said. I'm worried. Can you talk me through that again? Or I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that. So those are important to, once again, just catch it all. Catch all before you leave. And they may not have any questions or concerns. That makes your life easier. But I'm telling you, you will get so much information from adding these moments into your encounters on a daily basis. I do want to say, please beware of the phrase, is there anything that I may have missed before you leave? I see this a lot and I get this a decent amount as a standardized or simulated patient. And I would say the wording in an educational setting is actually problematic for testing purposes. So what I would think about instead of asking, is there anything I may have missed? Maybe say, is there anything else you'd like to add? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? That's the same thing, except it's not saying like, did I miss something? Can you tell me if I missed something? And again, that may not be what you're going for, but that is often how it comes across in a educational environment or in a testing scenario. Or probably if you were to do this in real life as a patient, I may be like, well, I don't know. You tell me. How could I'm not the doctor. How would I know if you missed anything? (laughs) So there's a lot of ways that that word can be misconstrued. Now, lastly, I really think it's important to tell the patient what to expect next. And again, this is in encounters. This is in the educational settings. And I'm talking of like in the next five minutes, what to expect when you leave that room. If they're going to stay in that encounter room or office in this scenario, you should tell them what should they expect. Or maybe if they're about to leave and you're not going to see them, what to expect in the next few days, weeks, months, years regarding follow-up care. This type of information is just the icing on the cake and it really 
helps the patient feel included and clear about the next steps. Whether that's, you know, just make sure to take the medication on a daily basis. You can use your teach back method to do this or just say, hey, I'm going to step out. I'm going to talk to the preceptor. I will be back in and we will get you that pain medication or I will be back in to ask you if you have any more questions or if anything else comes up before we have you leave today. So I just think those are the things that really add that I hate to say customer service, but that extra rapport, that extra validation and inclusion with your patient where not only are you going to get more information, but you're also collaborating with them to give them more information. And that will only help your encounters and real encounters in the future. So on that topic, our next clip that we're going to hear is from the wonderful Mary Donovan from episode 17, where she and I talk about SP and experiential learning leadership. And and she has some great things to say about treating the patient with respect and just being able to listen and not use them as a checklist. The kind of talking about using those open-ended, using those follow-up questions. So let's go ahead and take a listen in. If I had any very specific advice to every med student, it would be to listen for asking follow-up questions rather than the next thing that might be on their list of things, their acronym or their protocol of how they remember to ask questions, but to really listen to an answer and then dig a little deeper. Because sometimes the really helpful information diagnostically, but also just support is in a patient being able to tell more of their story because of a follow-up question. And I think a lot of doctors, you're really good at follow-up questions. You're really good at listening and retaining and then circling back. You did that during our little podcast here, which is awesome. And if students could do the Katie Culligan podcast interview style, that would be my and I'm totally serious. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a very, that's a huge compliment. Uh, so it's students. a skill that not everyone has. Thank you. Thank you. No, so you're basically. brilliant. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. Seriously. Mm. And it sounds like if med students could, or just medical professionals for that matter, do more of those follow-up questions and not just follow that, that checklist necessarily, right. then it would be a skill that all, uh, all patients would be happy with, I imagine. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. I would even extend it, you know, in terms of like relationships and beyond medical learners, like just those are just so important in communicating and they're going to impact health and well-being even beyond the medical world and healthcare world. I guess also maybe just to forgive themselves in the learning of it that an interactive experience if they feel like they've failed in some way, they will talk about that two years later. It's like doing something embarrassing at a party that when you're laying awake at three in the morning, you know, you think about it for years. And that when it comes to a standardized or simulated patient experience to forgive themselves and know that we're all, all for the learning of it and they're evolving and that they can be okay with not being expert when they're still novices. Beyond the extreme compliment that Mary gave me, which I really, really appreciate still, I just have to say that, you know, what she's talking about is so true. We all know that feeling. We all know it where we've done something embarrassing in some way, shape or form, and we just remember it. But 
it's really just remembering that like this is the place to fail. You're in an educational environment. So take those leaps, take those risks. As long as you're not, you know, really hurting anybody, that's the time because you just don't have that for your whole career. You don't have that landing pad. So I think it's really important. And it kind of goes back to what John was saying earlier of it's okay that they're not experts. They don't know the answer that's okay. We can say we don't know the answer. And as a standardized patient, I'll tell you what, hosting this podcast, I have learned so much and I thought I knew a lot about standardized patient work and I'm learning so much more from other people's perspectives and experiences. So I think it's okay to say that we're all learning and we're all evolving. And honestly, from Mary's episode, I learned that it's not just standardized patient work. There is simulated patient work, which was so true, but I just needed to kind of hear that in a different way. And now I say it all the time. So I just think we need to be kind to ourselves and also, you know, open to listening and asking follow-up questions from our listening. Support and validation is everything. And on that thought, we had the wonderful... Andrew Fleur for episode 18, where we talked about roles against type and age. And Andrew, much like Mary, has some thoughts about remembering that empathy is so important as things get harder, as you get farther in school or in the real medical world. My advice for medical students who are interacting with SPs and patients, real patients in the future, is really just remember the humanity and and meet the patient where they are so that you can work with them as a team. That means getting the full story, understanding their full context, and, you know, asking what their goals are when they come in because they're there for a reason. And if you know that reason, you're able to help them more and you check in with them each step of the way, you know, check in with them after you share info with them, like a diagnosis or after you suggest a plan and ask them how they feel about the plan. Really empower the patient and give them the choice and the agency as you work with them. So with Andrew's advice, I think it's so important, like he said at the end, giving your patient the agency, giving them that empowerment to have a choice because we all want a choice in our medical care. And I think, you know, as a med student, not me, but if you are out there listening as a med student, I am sure that you also want choices in your medical care. You know, you want to be given options if they're available. And so the more we can empower the patient's even in a learning environment, to be part of the plan, to check in how they feel about that plan. Not only does it increase your rapport with that patient, making them much more likely to come back to you and open up to you, but also just to make them feel like, hey, I can do this. You know, if you are empowered to work out or change your diet to decrease your risk of diabetes, for instance, that's just an example. That's great because if people aren't empowered themselves, that they don't have that self-efficacy, then they're less likely to keep up with the plan. So making sure that your patient is actually going to try to do the thing and how can they do it is really awesome advice. So in the same vein, our next guest, Matt Spiracino, who you may remember from the feedback workshop with Tom Wyatt. We had a lot of fun with that one, and Matt had a few things to say about this. The biggest thing I think is that I always come back to is just remember that patients are people. I know that it's very 
easy because I, I see it with my wife. My wife is a physical therapist and the kind of grind of healthcare and seeing patient after patient after patient after patient and dealing with insurance and the whole is a lot and it, it wears people down. It's very, very hard job. So just on those hard days and those hard moments, just remind yourself that you're sitting across from a person who has family and hobbies and everything that you have. And just remember that they're a person. It's hard to do sometimes, but just always keep that in mind. So I think that's such great advice, what Matt said, that just remembering the humanity in it, that this is a person, they may be different from you. They may, in some ways, sometimes feel like they're just a diagnosis or they're just another checklist, particularly when it is an educational encounter. But remembering that humanity and remembering that this person has all of these things that you do, they're just someone you don't know and they're just in this environment. And I think keeping that in mind will always give you a little bit more perspective on how to interact with them and how to be kind to them and to their family and whatever they're dealing with. Because, you know, everybody wants to be treated kindly, even if they're coming in with a different energy and maybe for good reason, but just keeping that in mind. So thank you, Matt, for that awesome, awesome advice. And speaking of that, our next guest, Carol Randolph, who you have heard in episode 21, introducing people to standardized patient work, she talks about the data. There's actual data to back up what Matt is saying. So let's take a listen here. So years ago, there were studies done about malpractice suits. And what they learned was that when a patient likes a doctor, they are less likely to file a malpractice suit, even if the doctor is wrong. And when they don't like a doctor, they are more likely to file a malpractice suit, even when the doctor is right. So that's the economics of a good bedside manner. So yeah, if you're into more data-driven research, I mean, there you go. <laughs> Carol said it all. I think that one blew my mind a little bit. And while I wasn't shocked when I thought a little bit about it, it still is really interesting that they have research studies on this. And so even if you're coming at it as an impending doctor, a soon-to-be doctor or doctor currently, that you don't want to get sued. Who does? Keeping that rapport, keeping that relationship is always a good thing because you are just going to be less likely to be sued. And that's a win. Another idea backed by research, much like Carol's, we're about to hear from Erin. Erin was featured in episode 19, SP Trainer and Leadership Development. And it's kind of talking about remembering your path and why, remembering your why that you're doing this on really hard days, because there will be hard days. So I read a scary study. I think there are a couple of scary studies out there that say that med students as they're being trained, their empathy improves. And then when they get to third year, that's when they start like going into clinic and having these really crazy schedules and their empathy like bottoms out is just bad. So my advice to med students and to future physicians is please remember why you got into medicine because it probably has something to do with I want to help people. I want to heal. Or there's some personal story attached, whether it's, you know, their grandma or their parent or a loved one who was sick and they felt helpless or they saw a great nurse or a great physician. So there's always a heart 
moment, there's always this, this desire to help. And I just, my wish and my advice for med students is don't lose that. Don't forget that. Don't, don't walk away from the heart of medicine. So Erin so beautifully puts it about the heart of medicine. Well, you know, helping people. I, I, of course, when I heard this, I was thinking like, it's a beautiful day to save lives, McDreamy, right? But it's that whole idea of just remembering why you're doing it. And we've all been in positions where we needed other people to help us at some point in time. And so the more empathy we're given as patients or humans, the better. And so I thought that data and that scary study she was talking about was pretty interesting about like the empathy bottoming out. And I think honestly, awareness is just really the biggest part right now. So I hope it's something to keep in mind that, you know, as you're going through med school and you start to get busier and do the rounds and, you know, seeing how how fast it can move to just remember, hey, Let's take those tools from that toolbox that I was working on first and second year, perhaps, and pull out that empathy from time to time and, and make sure I'm adding it in in, in relevant and appropriate ways, because that will never, ever be a bad thing. As SPs, we know that school is for you to work toward a larger goal of becoming a working medical professional, right? That's what everybody wants. But there are elements to the education experience that will benefit you if you take a moment to focus and live and learn in the moment. So next, we are going to hear from Carrie McGee, and she will be upcoming in episode 25. So be on the lookout for that very, very shortly. I think if I could give advice to medical students, it would be, this is an opportunity to practice, and this is an opportunity to get things wrong. I think that there's a lot of pressure on medical students to get things right. Pressure they put on themselves, pressure that is societal pressure. It's why they want to be doctors, right? This desire to do good and do right. But the beautiful thing about a standardized patient encounter is that it's practice and embracing that practice and having an opportunity to try out what you're doing and practice what you're doing and be bad at it and fail miserably and learn a lot. That's so valuable and is something that there isn't a lot of opportunities for that in their education. So I want to say medical students just feel encouraged to go strong and wrong on standardized patient encounters and use that as the learning experience to propel you to be a better doctor. So Carrie has some amazing points about go strong and wrong. I love that. Go strong and wrong because it's always better to do it in the educational opportunity encounter rather than going for kind of a gamble when you're out in the real world. Again, the whole suing thing could happen when you're actually working as a doctor. So this kind of reminds me of a lot of us, including myself, come from an acting background, a lot of live theater, but this is true for any sort of acting. You know, there's always this make bold choices. Now, that's obviously for when you're making choices as an actor. However, I've pretty much always heard every acting teacher say, I'd rather have to pull you back. I'd rather have you go a little too far in terms of your choices and have to pull you back than have to to get it out of you. That can relate to basically all different types of professions, but I really think it relates here in the way that to just give yourself the opportunity to fail and try out and practice. And just remember that practice makes progress. It doesn't make perfect because nothing is perfect really (laughs) as much as we'd like to think it can be. So thank you, Carrie, for that beautiful wording on all of that advice. 
And the same episode, we actually had Jenna Rossman. Now, Jenna was also in our episode one, Intro to Standardized Patients. So if you want to go way back there and listen to her, then or she's an upcoming in our future episode 25 with Carrie McGee. Now, here is Jenna's advice. If I could give advice to medical students, it would be to practice self-care. Um, and that's so personal for each and every one of you. So I hope you can find something in your day that brings you joy and brings you peace and relaxation because this is so challenging and you're doing amazing work already and I am rooting for you. And so I just want you and I hope you all can, you know, take some time for yourself to really to nurture yourself so you can nurture others and bring your A game because we know you got it. I love Jenna's positive advice. It's so nice that she's really saying, you know, take care of yourselves. It's not just about the encounter. It's about how you're practicing self-care. As med school is really hard. I mean, I'm not in it. <laughs> but we certainly get a sense of it when we've worked with students and gotten to know them a little bit more. Like, we really hear about how challenging it is. I imagine it doesn't get super easy once you're out doing it in real life, once you've graduated. However, knowing what things you can take to give yourself self-care can then only help you have better empathy, ideally better rapport with your patients in the future. And of course, like Jenna said, bring your A game <laughs> when you're in the encounter. I think also something to remember is we as standardized patients, as educators, as trainers, etc., we want you to do well. I don't know one person that I've ever met that's been in this world that wants a med student to fail. Truly, we want you all to do your best because we want to see you all succeed and become an awesome doctor who can do awesome things and change the world and save lives and help people have better quality of life. So I think it's just important to note that like while it sometimes it feels like you against us, especially in testing environments, oh, what's that standardized patient hiding? I know they're hiding something. One of the primary reasons most standardized patients work in this field is because we want to be part of seeing you all and helping you all as med students become doctors and become great doctors. So I just think it's important to understand that we are not trying to get you to fail, even if it feels like it sometimes. We are rooting for you, and we always have been, and we always will be. And speaking of self-care and bringing your A-game, we're going to hear now from Emily Whitcomb, who is actually a future guest on our episode 26. You'll hear that very soon. And here she kind of talks a little bit about not comparing yourself to others and owning where you are. But let's go ahead and hear her in her own words. My advice for med students is to own the fact that you are a med student. I think I see a lot of students come into the room and they're not sure if they have the authority to do things like ask a medical question or do a part of the routine medical exam that the scenario is requiring. I think it's because when you are in the thick of it in med school, everyone is in it with you. You're not like that big fish in the small pond anymore. You're not the one person going to med school from your friend group or your family that no one can really compare to you. Once you're in med school, there's all these other people you can compare yourself to. And there's all these facilitators, preceptors, people that are further along in their medical education that I don't think they intend to 
discount what you have accomplished. But I think sometimes it can be internalized and come out in the simulation where they just seem a little timid. My advice is to go into the room and own it. Yes, you are a med student, but that means you do have something to offer, and especially in a simulation scenario, just because that's where you should be learning and stretching boundaries and making mistakes, being supported and learning, most importantly, learning. So that would be that would be my advice. So what Emily had to say, I, of course, could not agree with more that it's good to own where you are right now. Just remember that someday... Soon enough, you will be the big wig on campus. You will be the fourth year. You will be the resident. You will be the attending eventually. So just know that it's okay to be where you are right now, learning the things that you are right now. So if you're just getting into med school, own it. You know, have fun with this part of it because this is where we get that learning opportunity to really just get to know yourself and beef up on all the things you're going to use in the future. Last but not least, we have Jennifer Brown's just glowing, happy, positive mindset because mindset really is at the heart of everything. And Jennifer, you heard in episode 14, what is a case? So here we go with Jennifer's advice. My big advice to med students is you can do it. So I've heard a lot from first-year students, especially this past week, that they're all worried that they aren't going to make it and that they've got these darned texts, these group texts going on with a gazillion people, with everybody being anxious about being the one who's not going to make it. You're all going to make it. It's going to be great. Jennifer said it quite lovely. You're all going to make it. It's going to be great. Have a good mindset. Do your best. and. Just remember that there are so many aspects of medicine. So remembering that it's okay to pivot. It's okay if you want to do more research-based stuff. If it's okay if you want to do more pediatrician-based stuff. There's so many aspects of it that just finding what works best for you. And that will take time. But everybody has a strength. And it will take time to figure that out. And that is why you're in med school. To figure it out and to fail and figure out, well, that didn't work. But I'm going to try it this way next time. And if that fails, then okay, I'm going to try it this way next time. But it is going to be okay. It is going to be okay. And remember why you're doing it. Back to the heart. Back to the why. And we are here for you. So we just want to thank all of our season two guests who were able to share some of their advice. And we wanted to make this episode just so it was something that you could just take with you. Maybe before standardized patient exam in the future for our med students. We got a new school year coming up soon. Think about using that as a little good kind of pep talk, if you will, with some good reminders. And please feel free to share this with other med students, other medical professionals. It can only be beneficial. We really appreciate you all listening to this and sharing it as well. Now, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Garita. You can find their music at Artlist. Thank you also to Catherine Bubalek for the behind-the-scenes work, the audio post-production, and our lovely cover art. Now that is our show. We will see you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work. (laughs) 